Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Captain's Slog uh, with Edson's Mark and Eddie, in which we uh, trek through all of Star. Ah, let's start again. I fucked that up. No. <laughs> just Fair. keep going. Um, yeah, we just watch it. We're watching all of Star Trek: uh, Next Generation. It's not that complicated, and yet I can't work out how to say it at the beginning of every episode. So yeah, Star Date Ten. Uh, Mark, how you been? I've been all right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <clears throat> I've got COVID. Uh, not to a Chinese listeners who have another month to wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got COVID. Um, I got engaged. The things aren't related. Um, I'm 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 fine. I guess I. Um, it's, I I I genuinely have nothing really to report. How are How are you? <laughs> Um, oh, it turns out I'm allergic to dog piss, so okay. I'm just I'm going to go back to a smoothie for breakfast. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, we got because we, we got the dog, and the dog occasionally it pisses in the house because the dog the dog is it seems to understand that it needs to pee outside, but doesn't understand how to communicate to us that it wants to go outside. So it just gets hyperactive. So we just have to take it out once an hour, but sometimes we forget, and then it pisses in the house, and then I need to take an antihistamine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I'll be honest. As you may, I'm on the dog's side here. Yeah, because the dog didn't ask to be kept inside. No, that's fair. And if anything, a dog's natural. Ha- like if I was kept, because I've I've always I've co- I constantly fantasize about being kept as an alien pet. <clears throat> <laughs> so long as they understand what entertains me. I'll I'll give them love, right? Or this, or a, or a semblance, or some resemblance of love, like a cat. So long, uh, yeah. And I'll and and they keep me and they feed me and they they take me to the vets and they get they make sure I'm all right. And uh, I'll I'll do it, right? I'm I'm happy with that. But if they if they start getting angry at me because I don't <laughs> understand how to communicate with them, that's on them. Yeah. Yeah, if they like start yelling at you because you've gone into the bathroom to have a quick wank, yeah, they're like that's we don't do that. It's like, well, provide me a wanking space. Exactly, <laughs> take me outside for a wank. Exactly. <laughs> Would you want me to do about this? I so yeah, my entire my entire Christmas period has been filled with trying to thread the gap between the intelligence of the cat and the intelligence of the dog, because mm. it turns out if there's the only thing that my dog thinks is more delicious than cat food is cat shit. Mm. <laughs> so recycled cat food. So we started. So we started off by putting the cat food up on a table, mm. and then the dog worked out to knock the table over. So I've now drilled a hole in the bottom of the door of one of the rooms in our house and installed a little cat door, which is the cat can come in and all of the cat's food and the cat litter is in here. Uh, and it's fine. And and let me tell you, Mark, there is absolutely no way that hole is big enough for the dog to fit through, which makes it all the more annoying that the dog has worked out that they can totally fit through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, to the point where, like, she doesn't, she won't come in here unless she realises there's something in here that she wants. So we just got to kind of keep her vaguely distracted, <laughs> and, then the, and, and then the cat can eat. Uh, but yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a nightmare. Also, we realised that dog's scared of the dark, right? Because we've been putting her in a crate at night, 
and then you like cover it over with a blanket and she's supposed to go to sleep. Yeah. And then she like whines for a little while and then she settles down. But over the last couple of nights she's been going absolutely fucking mental. And then I went out the other night and just took the cover off the front and then she was fine. So it turns out that a dog has no problem with being in the crate or not separation anxiety, which we were like, oh, well, she's really bonded with us. She fucking hates being in the dark. So we leave that open now and she's fine. I, I mean, I'll have that when I'm, when I'm in the alien's house. I, I don't particularly <laughs> like the dark. Um, <clears throat> so I, yeah, I, I fully understand. I'm really empathising with the dog here. Yeah, I was this close to using my, getting like a, a, a Emma's got a spare iPad. Mm. And I was going to just put it like between the crate and the blanket as like a little entertainment system for the dog. But then I realised I have no idea what a dog would want to watch. I was thinking match of the day. Like a... <laughs> well, it would need to be a full match, at least. Yeah, yeah. Because it'd, be con- it'd be constantly like, why is the ball going over there now? Do dogs understand editing? I don't know. And also, it would have to be entertaining enough to keep the dog distracted, but then boring enough um, to like let the dog fall asleep. So basically, any Arsenal game from the 80s. Uh... <laughs> I, yeah. Great, I don't understand football, so you, you could have said anything there, like, <laughs> and I would have just assumed that it was, a, I thought, a well-thought-out anecdote or, or sort of observation. Um, <clears throat> speaking of observation, so it's only in, like, the last sort of 10-ish years that dogs have actually been able to watch television uh, because of the refresh rate of modern HD TVs. Dogs used to not be able to watch TV because of the, the way that the picture used to work. Uh, but now pictures are so smooth that dogs can. Um, right. So, how, like, how, because, look, I mean, let's let's face facts. This society slash species has a hundred years left at best, right? Yeah. And it's taken us this long to devise a television that dogs can watch. How much energy should we really be putting into teaching dogs about editing <laughs> and making that less confusing for them versus, you know, having children that we know are doomed to an existence far worse than ours for, frankly, purely, purely narcissistic, selfish reasons? Wouldn't it be great to learn, like, oh, like if we could eventually communicate with dogs that they do understand editing, but can't get their head around non-linear editing? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> they absolutely understand the edited motion picture, but if you try and get them to watch Pulp Fiction, they just get baffled. <laughs> or, 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 like the you know the you know the editing rule, like the one hundred and eighty degrees rule. Oh yeah, it tells you like it's so that your brain understands what people are looking at. Imagine dogs just have the opposite. <laughs> like they need the 180 degree rule because their eyes are on the side of their head yeah so like you, you get a dog and it's like turns out that a dog thinks is a good film is like the work of Neil Breen yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway oh. speaking of something that seems like it was edited by a dog <laughs> um, <laughs> we're still on season yeah. one of the next generation oh god this was Mark, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Reveal, I think it's the fifth line of my notes on this. Mark just reads, "Oh fuck, it's Luxardo Troy." <laughs> <laughs> now I, I, I want to be clear. 
I I have I really don't like the Luxada Troy character. I have no problem with Majel Roddenberry, who is a Star Trek legend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because for those who don't know, Troy's mum is Luxana Troy, and she's played by Majel Roddenberry, who, the name might give it away, is Jean Roddenberry's wife. But she was also, she was number she was number one in the original pilot of Star Trek, and then she was Nurse Chapel in the series, because fuck the 70s. <laughs> she is single-handedly responsible for in a, in a sort of indirect way for Star Trek existing in the first place because when uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, made the pilot The Cage yeah. NBC actually passed on it and then it, it was just dead in the water that's what happens to pilots if they get passed on if you can't find a network you're, you're gub, there's nothing you can do however The Cage got a very very rare uh, reprival Reprieval? Revival? Reprieve? Yeah, one of those. One of them. <laughs> because it got into the hands of uh, Desilu. Uh, what's her name? Lu- uh, Lucille, uh, Lucille Ball. Ball. It got into the hands of Lucille Ball, who wasn't that interested in Star Trek as a concept, because apparently she wasn't that keen on sci-fi. But she was very interested in the fact that, number one, the first officer was a woman. And so she decided to produce a second pilot, uh, which they managed to get past NBC. NBC did, however, have one note, Mm -hmm. um, which, of course, is that we have to take uh, all the women out. Um, So, bit of a sort of double-edged sword, but no, Margell Roddenberry slash Margell Bartlett, or Bartlett, um, without her, Star Trek simply would not exist. Um, yeah, and uh, and I, I think she deserves a. I mean, she gets a lot. No, fuck her. She gets enough credit. Fuck her. <laughs> she's also she's also <laughs> in the most episodes of Star Trek because she's the wow. voice of because she's the voice of the computer. Oh, next gen, and that carries over to Voyager, and is also on any time you're on an, uh, a Federation ship in in Deep Space Nine. So yeah, her credits for number like number of episodes of Star Trek that she's been in is fucking ridiculous nice uh, yeah I don't know but, that. that's uh, fun yeah yeah, she, yeah Majora Roddenberry's great does the computer ever I've never noticed that the computer actually speaks I I, I think it did a, a bit in the first episode right because I remember saying it was basically an Alexa <laughs> <laughs> but no, it turns up and then there, there's a great there's a scene that we've got coming up and like I say I don't like Luxana Troy but I, I respect the shit out of the fact that there is a scene that comes along later on in which Luxana Troy has a quite lengthy conversation with the computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, she's, she's possibly the worst character recurring character in all of Star Trek. Cause she's just an overbearing mum. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had one of those and I, I, I disliked it so much. I don't even talk to her. Why would I want it on my TV? <laughs> so that so, <laughs> so this ep- this episode was um was Haven. Yeah. And uh it starts out it, I'll I'll do the plot. It starts out with uh, and your it starts out with your classic Star Trek fuck planet plot. Uh yeah. where they're they're surrounding a planet and then we find out that we're not gonna go down to that planet, which is really sad. 
Um, especially when we see the, the Dutch woman later on where it's like, oh, Picard could have gone down and... Oh, all right, fair enough. So, was that Dutch? I, just, I, I literally even got a note that her accent was generic foreign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Troy, so they're standing in the in the in the the transporter room, uh, Picard <laughs> and Riker, and Troy comes in and says, "What's going on?" Which seems out of character, but and then it's and then a box comes up. We'll talk about the box later on. There's an interesting thing about that box. So a box is a box with a face uh, is transported onto the Enterprise and says. Uh, Deanna Troy, which is a good thing that she walked in that room, because otherwise they would have been staring at that box with that face for quite a while, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. Off, off the the box opens. There's all jewels. Anyway, it turns out Deanna Troy is in an arranged marriage, so yeah. her mom. So rather than go down to the fuck planet, which again Riker is constantly looking upset about, um, the 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 Millers, the Steve Miller band. And um, yeah. which is the a woman, a man, a boy that Diana is engaged to somehow. Yeah, since like childhood. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? We're still on the plot. And then the the fucking and then her mom comes aboard uh, with Lush from the Adams family, and <laughs> hijinks ensue. Riker's been a, a stroppy little bitch the whole time. <laughs> we see a sad holodeck. Um, it, yeah. and it's, it's sort of it's sort of a comedy, I guess. Um, and then it, it, they're like, "Oh, you have to get married," and Diana's like, "But I don't want to get married." Or do I want to get married? I I can't really. Yeah. Maybe I do, but I don't want to upset Will Riker. Um, and uh, and then anyway, oh, this, right, this is where the plot takes a turn. So <laughs> there's a ship that's from a, a race uh, of racists. And they are infected with a virus that will yes. basically kill anyone that it comes in contact with, so they are to be quarantined. They are heading towards the fuck planet. And it's uh, the, the, the Enterprise like, what do we do about this? And then it turns out there's a woman on board that Troy's uh, husband-to-be yeah. has been having visions about or something. And he then, yeah. he then decides, rather than marry Diana Troy, he will live the rest of his life instead trying to cure the, s- the plague the plague yeah done episode yeah. plot and, and if that sounds like it's convoluted it didn't make much sense that's only because i was describing yeah. it well it's no no i blame the episode fully because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot there's a let's so like like okay Given what we know about Starfleet technology, Mark, how in any universe is the most convenient way of sending a message a box with a face on it that <laughs> will only talk when the right person happens to be in the room? I, uh, I mean, I think that's kind of a moot question, Eddie, isn't it? Because we have email, but if you were to offer me the chance to send a telegram that was a box with a face on it, Obviously, I'm going to send the box with a face, right? But I mean, my local post office, they're not very nice in there, right? The woman clearly just wants to fucking go on with her day. And I'm in there quite a lot because I still send packages and things. Well, sometimes. No, I don't. Anyway, that was a lie. I tried. Basically, what happened. I've been in there once and I sent a letter to America, right? Not the Proclaimers song. I was just trying to make myself sound more excited. And she wasn't very fucking happy about it because she was like, "Well, it's not a package," and I'm like, "Well, it's not. A, it was a letter. I know it's not a package." She went, "Well, you, anyway, we had a big fight about it." So 
Um, what was my point? Anyway, if she had said, "Look, we, you can't, you can't, you can't just put an, a, a stamp on this. Would you prefer sending it via a letter with a face?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Actually, in, in, if I had that technology, I would send it anywhere I was going to go and train it to, like, so it arrived half an hour before, yeah. just to announce that I was going to be there. I also, after it's announced that, it opens, it spills out a load of rubies. <laughs> Precious jewels, which you could just get from a replicator in Star Trek. So, what's that? <laughs> this episode is a fucking nightmare. Um, can we talk about how Riker looks sad when there's... So, Riker's too tall to look sad on normal furniture. So, instead, he has to lean against a wall like he's in a Bronski beat video. <laughs> oh, also... Okay, well, you just got you just got engaged. Yep. Um, how long after the engagement did you, did you don't you're your own boss? Yeah. Um, so Laura has an actual job. How long after you got engaged was it before she told her employer? I don't know if she's done that yet. I imagine her employer will find out from listening to this podcast <laughs> because because Troy, after finding out this information, the very first thing she does is go to Picard's office to say. Oh, I'm getting married. With by the way, with tears in her eyes, and Picard's response is to go, "Congratulations." <laughs> John Luke needs to learn to read the fucking room. That's what I got from this. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in, in a way, I mean, but sometimes they do cry, don't they? <laughs> Women. Um. So. Well, I'd cry if I had to marry the nonce from Prison Break. Uh, <laughs> He's looking quite handsome in this. Yeah, he looked very handsome, as, but that's as, mainly because I'm used to seeing him as a prison nonce. As nonce which... as go. <laughs> He's doing well. Um, yeah. This is such a nothing episode. Yeah, I, like my notes are just like, why the fuck are there be- beaded curtains hanging anywhere, everywhere? Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the, the the aliens because because right, so this episode they turn up at like a, like you say a fuck planet yeah and I was like oh something's going to be going on with this something's not going to be on the up and up and it's like no no they don't go down to the planet the planet's great and it's fine but this the is it the Torellians who turn up yep their vessel when I saw it I was like that looks like somebody in the eighties was trying to make what they think an electric guitar will look like by the time Star <laughs> Trek happens yeah and. And then, and then we, when the Tyrellians finally respond to hails at the end of the episode, and they turn up on screen, they look like they're about to launch into a rendition of "Crying at the Discotheque." <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually have a theory um, about why it, it looks like that. Not the outside; the outside is was just a fever dream. But <laughs> I think I know why the inside looks like it does, and that's because we are told. That the the Tyrellians, um, they, their their planet, they all that stuff was going on on their planet like years ago. Yeah. So these Tyrellians have escaped that planet, but their warp drive stopped working. So they're yeah. now having to travel at sublight, and I think that their warp drive would have been um, modern around the time of the original series. So if you look at their ship design, it's actually quite original series looking. Yeah. And the uniform and like the sexy uniforms and the purple everywhere. See, my theory was just that the plague that they've got was disco fever. <laughs> uh. 
Yep. Because yeah, isn't the plot? It's like they basically there were two groups on this planet, and they made one of them made a biological weapon um, to destroy the other one, and then it wiped out all of them, and then some of them escaped, and when they landed on other planets, everybody there died, and then other people hunted them down and killed the people who had the virus. Uh, and that virus's yeah. name was capitalism. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's the problem is, like you said, there's not. It's like this. This episode is entirely like, like it's. There's not much to it in terms of like interesting things no. to talk about. Look, the main thing to talk about it is that they they get there and the guy has been dreaming of this woman since he was a child, which raises some other fucking weird questions. That I've got about. <laughs> but but it's not Troy. No, he's re- yeah. He's really surprised when he sees Troy for the first time. Because yeah. he imagines that she's this woman that he's been dreaming about forever. Yeah, she. He thinks she's been mind fucking him through space. Yeah. Um, which was, which is exactly what happened when the first time I ever met Laura. <laughs> she was like, "What's that look in your eye?" And I'm like, well, "I'm just, qu- I'm just surprised that you're not 2008 Linda Cardellini." What's... <laughs> which, ironically, I've been dreaming about since pre 2008, which is really weird. Um. I, my favourite part is when he he walks, she walks, uh, Diana walks into his chambers and he's just got four pictures of that woman out. <laughs> it's like, um, the best thing to do when you meet your arranged wife is to display <laughs> the multitude of paintings you've done of your dream woman. <laughs> oh, I, I love as well in that scene that Troy goes in and he's like, oh, I'm really unsure about doing this. I don't want to marry you, blah, 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 blah. And, and then changes her mind a bit when she learns some stuff about this guy. And, and when I say learns some stuff, I mean she learns that he's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Troy's like, oh, but okay, that's what I want to bring up. That's reminded me of something. Right. During this episode, Crusher says, oh, it's nice to have a fellow doctor on board the Enterprise. Is... I was under the impression that Crusher is the chief medical officer. Yeah. I wasn't under the impression that she's the only fucking doctor. <laughs> what if someone gets hurt while she's a... What if she gets hurt? <laughs> and she, she also... Um, I, I, but we'll find out a little bit later on. She volunteers to captain the night shift sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so, yeah is she the only... <laughs> ma- and and she, she has on occasion gone down to the planet. Yeah. She can't do that. And also, isn't... I mean, is this just Gene Roddenberry, like, putting his feelings front and centre when uh, Robert Nepper, uh, Wyatt, is like, well, I'm a doctor, and Troy goes, well, we'll work very well together. I'm a practising psychologist. So <laughs> Crusher doesn't consider <laughs> Troy <laughs> a doctor? Like, she's a, she's a psychologist and a counsellor. She is... Cl- cl- and, and and the thing is, we know that she has to have those qualifications because of her psychic handicap, which is that she lies about being psychic all the time. <laughs> right. Um, there's there's one thing as well. Um, this um this episode is one of the few times because you know in the previous episodes that we we spoke about in the previous episode, the idea that Picard would falsify something in his logs yeah. was completely out there. Well, um, I I unfortunately um. 
Picard does falsify something in his log in this episode because he refers to Troy as a highly valuable crew member. (laughs) The words highly valuable are doing so much heavy lifting in that sentence that they have their own orbit. I, she's not. I don't even think you can count her as a fucking crew member. She's not a pissing uniform, is she? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, this is this. Also, there's there's plenty in this episode of data delivering. There's a bit in this episode where data delivers a message to someone. Like he walks into the room and tells Troy there's a message for her, as if they're not on a fucking spaceship. <laughs> She's got a comms badge. Like, why are you running? It's just data. Like, oh, I'm sick of hanging out with Geordie. Geordie's just. Geordie <laughs> spends this entire episode. You don't see it, but he spends the entire episode on the bridge complaining that nobody's ever arranged a marriage for him. <laughs> also, I think he's a bit sick of me as well because you know, it, it, like, it, it, it is. It, do you know how difficult it is to make a blind man roll his eyes? Well, I've done that. <laughs> Data, Data is one of my favourite characters in this episode, and it's, <laughs> it's the best in this. It's, be- so it's because of, of a little scene <laughs> called the premarital party, where um, wait, before we talk about the right. party, I feel it's very, very important to mention that the scene directly before the premarital party is Picard explaining to the crew that the Tyrellian freighter is going to arrive at Haven in thirteen hours, so they only have thirteen hours. To save the people of Haven without killing the people of the, on the Tyrellian freight. They've only got 13 hours yeah. to do this. But, and this is something Picard is very clear on, before we do that, we have to go to a party. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, one thing that we may not have talked about is that, that he, so Haven, uh, the whole thing about Haven, the reason that the Tyrellians are actually heading there is that there are myths and legends among the universe that Haven has a fountain of youth, yeah. right? Uh, in an all-curing, uh, all-singing, all-dancing fountain of youth. If you go there, you'll be cured of all your ills. Mm-hmm. They have a treaty with Starfleet, which is that Starfleet, they are not in the Federation, but Starfleet will agree to defend them if necessary because Haven does not have any defences. Now... <laughs> If there was one thing that I was to find in my house that would make me think I'm going to build 60-foot walls and put fucking (laughs) howitzer machine guns on them, it would be a fucking fountain of youth, right? The the idea that a planet that has a fountain of youth on it wouldn't have some sort of defences is the dumbest idea, not just for for an episode of Star Trek, which is annoying, but I, I cannot stress this enough, would be a disastrous idea for the plot of an entire Star Trek movie, <laughs> Insurrection. I'm looking at you. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's it, it's kind of baffling. It's, it's, the thing about The Next Generation is it, it needs to find its feet, right? We, we've all agreed that yeah. seasons one and most of season two, garbage, right? They're crap because Star Trek has to come out of the shadow of its former self and it has to find its feet and it has to decide what it is, and it's not the 60s anymore, da 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 yeah. right? So it has to get there. Like, we can't fault it for being crap, 
it doesn't just have to get this out of the shadow of like previous Star Trek because at a point in this episode, Luxana Troy starts describing what I can only call the fucking force. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's, but yeah, it's yeah, so, it's it, oh. so Star Trek. The annoying thing is in the early episodes when there is an interesting idea like uh, the planet where everything is punishable by death um, and Wesley gets taken in, like how do you deal with that diplomatically or there is a a ship full of sick people uh, coming to a defenceless planet we have to decide which of these people we care about less that's an actual interesting idea about the yeah. human condition that Star Trek in later seasons will like start to address. And in this one, Picard's like, fuck that, let's go to a party. <laughs> but the party might be my favourite scene of anything we've seen so far. Correct. And I'm including the big space head uh, for a couple of episodes back. Because Data... Brent Spiner's <laughs> performance in this episode is comedy fucking gold. Yeah. Uh, his, his, his little discussion with Lurch about how he questions if he's got any human lineage because he's drinking so heavily. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so they, it's basically it's an argument between in-laws about how the wedding's going to go because human weddings, if, if, you, you're probably, if you're listening, you're probably familiar with the concept of a human wedding. But... Uh, Betazoid weddings are done entirely naked, yeah. which everybody is really hung up on, which seems weird. Because like, if somebody said to me, like, do you want to go to a wedding? It's like a weird culture on earth, and you have to be naked, and everyone's going to be naked there. I'd be like, yeah, all right, that seems like fun. I'll give that a go. I'd imagine they'd be much more enlightened about that sort of shit. Yeah, there is, there is genuinely like a tipping point of, in a, if there's 50 people in a room, no, let, let's make yeah. it 100, right? Yeah. To, to, to make the maths a little bit easier. If there's a hundred people in a room, there is a tipping point of how many people need to be naked before I'm not only comfortable being naked, I am more comfortable being naked. Yeah. And I'd say that's somewhere around 70 to 80%. Do you know what's weird? Maybe about even that, a little bit lower. It's if not you're 50. In a room, if you're in a room and everybody's naked, yeah. I would feel weirder not i'd feel fine being fully clothed but i'd feel a bit, a bit like a voyeur i'd yeah. feel fine being naked but what would make me the most uncomfortable would be if i was just naked from the waist down because mm. <laughs> for some reason if you're naked from the waist down that feels like it's more naked than naked yeah why is that that's weird isn't it yeah i think you can't style it out like if you're fully naked you'd be like this is what i intended yeah but nobody intends to just be wearing a t-shirt no when either boot <laughs> Except for Winnie the Pooh. Um, yeah, I think I think if I got invited to a naked wedding, I'd be quite like I'd be like because I enjoy new experiences. Like I, I I if anything it is it gives me it gives me one of those stories that I can like intentionally casually drop into conversations to make myself sound more interesting. <laughs> This one time I went to a naked wedding and this happened. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You went to a naked wedding. Oh, sorry, I glossed over that detail. When in reality, what I want is for people to to ask me about the naked wedding because it makes me sound very interesting. It's why 90% of the books on my shelf, Eddie, are are there so that people will think that I've read those books. 
<laughs> I've got a mate who's a, who's a fully qualified doctor, and when she finished the neurosurgery thing, she was throwing out her textbooks, and I took it just so I could put it on my shelf so people would think I'd read a book on neurosurgery. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the, the, this is like, like I say, the date, data in this episode is absolutely fantastic because yeah he's like everybody is like sat down for dinner and data is just circling the room observing people getting uncomfortably close and just like looking at people <laughs> and it's oh <laughs> also i've got in my notes for this episode for this part of it just luxana is a cunt mm. um yeah she's bang out of order um, and she knows, and she's apparently telepathic, so she knows everybody in the room thinks she's being a cunt. Yeah, <laughs> and she's like, and it's it's almost admirable that she doesn't care, but she's very irritating. Because the earlier on they, they talk about how is it beta zoids or is it beta zeds? Okay, as far as I understand it, beta zoids are the people, and the planet is beta z. Right, and <laughs> and also every time I had to write down beta z in my notes, I accidentally wrote Bajoran. <laughs> so, so, so earlier on, we we are, we are told that um, uh, beta 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 zoids uh, they have like a, a sort of because of their telepathy, because of their ability to read each other's minds, they have a cultural uh, way which is to always be brutally honest with each other, which is obviously a lie. Because then Diana Troy would be like, "I'm not even really psychic," <laughs> um, but. I think that the writers kind of they put that in, which is quite confusing because that just makes her seem more like an asshole because she's able to read everyone else's. Nah, maybe she doesn't. Maybe what she wants, I don't know, man. Loxana Troy, I'm starting to come around on her a little bit because maybe what she really wants is for people to stop pussyfooting around and tell her <laughs> that she's an asshole because that's the beta zoid way. Yeah, maybe if you tell Luxana Troy that she's a cunt, like she'll give you, like I don't know what's of value in like she's like a, uh, a box full of jewels with a face on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's what you get if you just turn around and go for fuck's sake, you're an annoying piece of. <laughs> so so everyone gets into a fight at the wedding. Uh, sorry, at the at the party, they're all bickering. Um, and it's usual sort of family on family stuff. Um, and then it, Deanna Troy, first, first of all, Riker strops off like a big loser. Um, and then Deanna loses it with her mom. Off she goes. And then comes one of my favourite bits of the episode, which is that everyone's having a fight. And Picard says, uh, what, what is it he says? Um, oh, uh, under Starfleet. Uh, protocol uh we aren't allowed to have disputes at parties so now all the disputes have been resolved <laughs> yeah and then deanna troy says it's what is it the pet, um, please stop the petty bickering yeah and then leaves and then data says can you please continue the petty bickering i find it most intriguing <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> brent spot He's so close to corpsing when he says that line. You can see, like, you're an emotionless android. Don't smile. It's a good joke. <laughs> do you um? Do you think that Starfleet tried to use the the the, the that dispute disagreement maneuver in like a bar fight? <laughs> uh, 
I think that's something Picard's made up. Yeah. Because, as we'll find out in later episodes, Picard once got stabbed in the heart in a bar fight. Yeah. Um, so he's made up that little uh, thing. So he can be like, <laughs> I'm not letting that escalate again. <laughs> I think he's just awkward. I think he's just very socially awkward. Um, well, something else I have written down here that I've just remembered uh, that made me laugh a lot is, uh, at one point, they're talking about the... What, what was the alien race's name? The Tangarians? Tyrellian, so like that. They, they they say it very quickly, and I didn't have the subtitles on, so I don't, I don't know. Um, so so they're talking about it in the in the sort of meeting room, and uh, they're talking. They're saying all oh, the all oh, the Targaryens. Um, that's what they're called, the Targaryens. No, that's the game. Of, anyway, the Targaryens, uh, right? Yeah. So, the T people. Yeah, the 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 eighties people. No, the seventies, sixties people. Whatever those the sick people, right? The plague people. Yeah. Um, they're just talking about their situation, um, and and Jordy, uh with some real shade, says the exact <laughs> line: "It's pretty well studied at Starfleet Academy now, Captain. Um, not like when, and, and which which uh, the way that he says now to me read not like when you just read Sun Tzu for five years straight. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's the equivalent of like." pronouns like like i was like that's like the woke like like picard's like fucking woke pc culture bullshit they're teaching about the tyrellians at starfleet academy these days why can't they teach earth history <laughs> yeah when's 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 human history month mark yeah yeah exactly when are we going to learn about the, the napoleonic pigmen <laughs> when, when's straight pride <laughs> uh, q huh what about ours <laughs> one thing i do love about this episode as well is right uh, so the end the, the, the doctor guy at the end of it he like go decides i'm gonna go with the woman i've been imagining in my head for for years because uh, they know his name as well they she's been imagining him which is all sorts of weird because her dad's next to her at the time as well like you've been mind fucking my daughter um so he decides he's gonna go because he's an expert on like plagues yeah handily because this whole episode is fucking convenient <laughs> um but um she he decides he's going to go over there so he nicks a hypo spray takes some medical supplies and he like like knocks out the guy at the transporter and then beams over but given what we know about starfleet wouldn't they have just let him <laughs> like if you if you're on a star on board the Enterprise and you go to Picard, actually, um, my particular area of medical expertise means that I'd be a great help to these people and I'd like to beam over. Are they going to go? No. What? <laughs> um, I guess. I mean, I guess so because they're. I don't know, man. Because I guess Starfleet's priority does have to be with the Haven people. Yeah. It's like I'll go over there. They'll leave. Also, I do like the fact that when they beam over there, she's also been drawing. Pictures yeah. of him for years, but is significantly worse at art. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be awful if every time you fell asleep you saw like an image of this same woman and you knew she was your dream woman, but you couldn't get anybody to help you look for her because you just were really bad at drawing. <laughs> it's like every time you drew, it, it's like no, that's that's not her. That doesn't look anything like her. <laughs> well, I mean, what if as well you were just really bad at describing? because <laughs> I, I i have a genuine fear about if i i don't know where this would ever happen but if i was ever in a crime 
because someone broke into my house to steal my fountain of youth, and I and they got past the howitzers. Because the problem, the the thing about howitzers is they're good at a distance, right? But up close, they're actually fairly useless. So, <clears throat> if someone broke into my house to steal my fountain of youth, and then I had to relay their information to the police, and they were like, "What do they look like?" I don't know. I don't. My my brain doesn't process images that way. I'll come and speak to this woman who's going to draw that person. I would fucking freak out. I'd be like, "Don't ask me to do that because." I don't. I can't really remember. I can. I can sort of remember what Will Smith looks like because I've seen a lot of Will Smith in my time. But <laughs> the problem is, if I use that as a reference point, eventually you're just going to start to to look for Will Smith. And the issue with that is, the one thing that Will Smith does not have is eternal youth. <laughs> there is every reason to believe that Will Smith would come looking for it. And at that point, you know. The pol- when I when I describe to this woman, it's it's that guy, and she's going to be like, "Well, this just this is just Will Smith." The captain is going to snap his fingers and go, "Of course, that son of a bitch." I've been trying to, <laughs> I've been trying to crack him for years, and at that point, am I going to be able to talk the captain down from what's clearly been a decades-long crusade? And it, it's my it's my fault that Will Smith gets executed. Are you not more concerned that after they've done the sketch and it looks like Will Smith, she's going to go to the captain and be like? He, he thinks it was Will Smith. He thinks it looks like Will Smith. I can only assume he's a racist and he thinks they all look alike. Uh, no, because the captain has such a personal vendetta against Will Smith that he's not going to hear anything to the contrary. He's going to have that artist killed for trying to get... Because the thing is, right, look, this captain has been in enough court cases and heard the words beyond a reasonable doubt they haunt him. They haunt him, but he doesn't see a beautiful woman when he falls asleep. What he sees is a judge reciting the words beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's and then he he watches rapists and murderers and 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 and, and orphan arsonists, people who set orphans on fire. He sees them all walk, and he's like, "If I have one dream, my one dream is to fucking finally nail that bastard Smith." on something and I finally got him dead to fucking rights this guy says it Will Smith and we have the motive Will Smith obviously wants to remain young forever did you see the Matrix 4 his wife looks old as fuck in it and <laughs> now we, we've we've got him we've got him it doesn't matter about his alibi I'm in danger at that point because yeah sure I'll testify but how, like, what's going to be more likely? Will Smith has me killed, or the police captain does? Well, what, all you've said at this point is that the best way to get away with stealing your fountain of youth is to wear a Will Smith mask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would be, I would be shit in the same situation. Well, if I have to describe someone to the police, my problem is so one of one of my comedy skills is that I'm very good at describing people in in a funny way yeah. that seems so, so like for example i once described Theresa may as looking like um the uh, the p- portrait in the attic in a version of dorian gray starring nicholas lindhurst um <laughs> <laughs> right and i once described jacob's reed mog as looking like somebody melted a harry potter dildo but <laughs> right but but that's not useful in a crime situation, oh, okay. <laughs> unless, unless unless like unless I get like attacked by somebody who looks like Bill Murray if he'd done smack, right? It's not, <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> but I, I I disagree. Um, I if anything, 
Maybe, maybe there are far more people. Maybe there are far more celebs cr- committing crimes than we know. <laughs> because if you if you go to a police station and you're like, uh, "Will Smith broke into my house," they're gonna laugh you out the door. <laughs> also, with Will Smith, you've got the problem that, of course, his uncle is a judge, so he's got that in the back. Exactly. I think anyway. I think we've have we got anything left to say? But I think we've solved the issues of this episode. <laughs> uh, the only thing I've really got, there only one, one, two things I've got left is that I like. There's a whole bit in this where Riker is sulking on the holiday. Oh, <laughs> where sad he's Riker. got uh, okay, but also as well. Sorry, no, sorry. There's one important thing we forgot to talk about. Okay, at the beginning of this episode, right, Riker is in his room, and it's his downtime. He's, yeah, right, okay. And he's not doing anything. And so we get an insight into how Riker spends his downtime, which is he sat there in full uniform in an armchair watching a small holographic display of two scantily clad women playing the harp. <laughs> <laughs> and all I could think is, did they ban porn? <laughs> yeah, I... Look, you have the technology of the holodeck. You can create any holographic image you want. Like, if you want to see, like, I don't know, Angelina Jolie pegging Harriet Tubman, you can watch that. That's what you can just look at and see. But Riker's ultimate sexual and, fantasy. And, and, and the title of that video is Metaphor. <laughs> but Riker's ultimate fantasy is two conventionally attractive women, one blonde, one brunette, playing the harp in silvery dresses. See, that's interesting, right? Because I've I often think about um <laughs> like major technological jumps in the porn industry. And I you know, when you watch <sighs> cinema cinema is a language, right? And cinema has been embraced by the by the human mind. That's why when uh, things are in the wrong frame rate we're generally able to notice. Even though our eyes don't look at things in 24 frames per second, they actually work at a much... They don't work at a frame rate, really, at all, but, but they, if they were, it would be much higher equivalent. But when things are different, we don't really take to it very well. So, again, this species isn't going to be around long enough to develop that level of holographic technology, right? So it's not really something that we need to worry about. Um, but... When we get to the point, if we got to the point where our entertainment was streamed into just like a table and we were just looking at small versions of that thing, yeah, would that be as satisfying as watching uh, it on a <laughs> flat screen? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't, so. I don't, no, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't see how that improves, I don't see how it improves the Matrix. No. Like if I can, get, like at any point, I can swoop around Keanu Reeves. It's like the movie chose some very specific points to do that because yeah. it added to the narrative. And I'm assuming also in the new one that ha- I'm not see. I'm not see. I'm probably not going to see it. Sorry, I don't. It's, I don't. I like the Matrix. I didn't like the sequels that much. I don't. I'm not. I got into this recently. I was asked. Like, I was talking to somebody about the Book of Boba Fett, and they were like, going, "Oh, you should watch it." And I was like, "I've not watched the Mandalorian." Oh, you know, Mandalorian is excellent. Right. But I, I get that. But but here's the thing. I was sold long ago, Mark, a lie that there was supposed to be a trilogy of trilogies. And there was a trilogy of trilogies. And most of them are bad movies. And when the last one, I saw the last one, my feeling at the end of it was like, it was all right. But my main feeling was, 
relief. It was freedom. <laughs> it was realizing I was done with the thing that I'd been dealing with. And, I, and, and I might at some point jump back into Star Wars, but right now it is so nice to not give a fuck about it. And that's kind of where I'm at with The Matrix. Right. So I don't know if I'm going to bother with it, especially because all the reviews have been like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Nah. But I, I might watch it if it was on a little holographic table. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the equivalent of like watching it on a plane. Like, yeah. the, like there are movies where I'm like, I'll watch that on a plane. Like, um, I can't think of any examples. Bumblebee. <laughs> I'd watch yeah, Bumblebee yeah. on a plane. I'd watch, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm never going to watch Bumblebee in, like, Street. real life. But, <laughs> but if it's on a plane, <laughs> on the rocks. Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> oh. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, I think I've got, oh, the only other thing I've got is, is a really weird little note, which is right at the end, right, Picard walks onto the bridge and asks Riker to, like, say, oh, he's like take us out. Um, at which point, Riker then asks Geordie to... Like fly up, fly up, like set out a course and fly him off. And I was like, did did Picard just order Riker to order Geordie to take them out? I was like, it, I feel like there's something we've missed in that episode, and Picard and Geordie aren't talking. <laughs> <laughs> Picard's like, come on, Riker, could you please tell that blind cunt <laughs> to take us out? And Geordie's like, uh, can, uh, come on, Riker, can you please tell that slaphead Captain Dickhead? That I'm taking us out. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please inform fucking Johnny Infrared over there? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's yeah. not enough. There's, it's, there's, there's nothing, not there's nothing here. It. Yeah, it's not. Mr. Holmes in it, who, like you said, was Lurch in in in, in the Adams family. The, the face on the box is Armin Shimmerman's first ever Star Trek filming appearance. What? So they filmed this before? Yeah, this was this was like the fourth one filmed or something. Fuck it! I can't imagine that. I'm stunned that people turned up to film the fifth one. (laughs) (laughs) There must have been a lot of people. This episode was finished off with a lot of people going back to their trailer and reading their contracts. (laughs) Well, luckily they stuck around. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not that far from interesting because I. I'd at some point left my Netflix playing, like in a different room. So when I went to look at this, we were like, it was like two episodes ahead, and we're we're a few episodes away from the episode where Data's evil twin turns up. Excellent, nice, <laughs> good. Yeah, so we've got that to look forward to. But if you are going to rewatch all of Star Trek, don't. Your what's your questions? Does this ask a big question? Yeah, no. no. Does, does it? Could, it could have. <laughs> it could have, but it doesn't. Yeah, it could. I mean, even if you just want to deal with the concept of Troy's culture has arranged marriages, yeah, which aren't are, should be sort of frowned upon, I guess. But you know, but then it's cultural differences. Do they work? Like, that's an interesting discussion to have. Yeah, but it's not one this episode is fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there any good captain in it? No, apart from when Captain Picard captains the party. <laughs> Uh, as captain of this party, <laughs> no more disputes. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's not great. No. I'm more interested in the beat, like the the Tyrellian. I'm fucking interested in that. That's that's a whole like. If if anybody who's working on Star Trek Discovery uh, or Strange New Worlds is listening to this, do do that. Yeah, do that. That sounds like it'd be great. Yeah, I'm well that's up really for that. Like 
so yeah, it'd be cool. Not a, as a footnote of something that everyone got taught at the academy. And by the way, is the only reason they teach that at the academy being like, so um, don't um, don't create a, a virus to wipe out a specific group. Because I feel like if that's something you're thinking of, that should be addressed in the entrance exam. Yeah, genocide. <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah Starfleet has a strong imagine you imagine you got into like the third year of Starfleet <laughs> like you sat there in a class and somebody's like giving you a lecture and he goes now as you know Starfleet has a strong anti-genocide policy and, like one guy in the class just gets up and goes fuck and leaves no he just goes since when <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, well I mean it's 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 since it's definitely a new policy as we'll discover if we ever if we keep this podcast going long enough to watch Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> yep. Fuck me, there's a there's a couple of war crimes. Uh, if we do Voyager as well, I'm just going to spend the entire podcast listing what I consider to be Janeway's crimes. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a, uh, apparently they're doing a Janeway style Picard like series like Picard, and I just want it to be courtroom drama. I'd be up for that. Oh. I like a Star Trek courtroom drama. Yeah, those are the best. The the, the two best episodes of Star Trek are, um, oh, was it man making measure a, of making a man. man, measure of a man, and the drumhead. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, don't 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 watch this. No, don't fucking it's not, bother. It's not great. Nah. Or it's not a lot to talk about. Nah. It's just it's Luxana Choi's first episode. She's in a lot of them. I think she's in Voyager at one point somehow. I'm keeping that in. <laughs> yep. Oh. Sometimes I sneeze and my bones hurt. Oh, my bones. Right, we'll, we'll wrap it up there because Mark's dying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully I won't have COVID next time. Yeah. Bye. Fingers crossed. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.